Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and uh, give us a call, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Um, well, one thing that's uh, somewhat different about uh, Pete Kelly, Pete Kelly was not just a radio series, of course. It also became a movie for uh, Warner Brothers with a somewhat disappointing uh, box office. And it, uh, in addition to that, there was a television series from the late 50s, and it didn't catch on in there either, which was somewhat surprising in a way, uh, because... 20s had actually been the subject of a couple of 1950s TV series. Uh, the famous Untouchables, and perhaps the less remembered, uh, The Lawless Years. What made Pete Kelly's Blues different than a lot of the programming made about uh, the big 20s and the Prohibition era was that the focus was not on the... Uh, on the bootleggers, the criminals, the up-and-coming, uh, the Dutch Schultzes in this sort of uh, golden age uh, of crime. Nor was it on the uh, uh, police, the those who were fighting them, the uh, Elliot Nesses. Uh, this was about somebody who was frequently caught in the middle uh, and apparently did not elicit as much interest. The series, uh, with its... Uh, uh, as a radio show, was welcomed with it, sort of its innovative style, another uh, production by Jack Webb, and also the music. Uh, the music here is amazing, and it alone makes uh, Pete Kelly's blues worth listening to. All right, well, now uh, let's go ahead and take a listen. It's time for the episode, Vera Brand. This one's about Pete Kelly. It's about the world he goes around in. It's about the big music and the big trouble and the big twenties. So when they ask you, tell them this one's about the blues. Pete Kelly's blues. Kelly's Blues, starring Jack Webb, with story by Joe Eisinger and music by Dick Kepka. My name's Pete Kelly. I play cornet. You'll find us at 417 Cherry Street, Kansas City. It's a standard speakeasy. Before Prohibition, the building housed the cleaning and dying plant. It hasn't changed much. The vats came in handy. The 
Still tough to get a clear gin, but a lady likes the idea of a drink to match the color of her dress. The lease is owned by George Lupo. He's a fat, friendly little guy who wouldn't harm a fly. There's no money in harming flies. We start every night about ten and play till the customers get that first frightening look at each other in the early light. Lupo's working on a scheme to push the dawn back for at least one more hour. I don't think he'll make it, but I wouldn't want to risk a buck against him. The last night, everything was routine until I saw her again. We were just winding up the third set when she came in, flanked by the same deadpan gunsel. She sat alone at the same table, ordered the same drink, smoked the same Egyptian deities, and gave me that same loving look. The gunsel, as usual, nibbled at his drink at the bar and his eyes playing watchdog for the girl. This was the fifth night, four nights running, same girl, same gunsel, same routine. Sit for five solid hours, drink, smoke, and work me over with her eyes, reach down deep for a sigh, and leave with deadpan right behind her. Well, I didn't like it. I was beginning to taste salt on my tongue. We went into a finish, and the girl looked once at the gunsel. He nodded, left the bar, and started to the stand. All right. Nick, can you push it a little? It helps when we can hear the beat. All right, don't audition for me. Just do it, huh? Beat. Yeah, Red. That babe's here again. I know, I know. All right, what do we got up next? Working up ahead of steam, Petey. Well, she's beginning to make me feel like a wayside shrine. You. Who? You. Me? Yeah. Oh, you got a request? A number you'd like no, to... No, I got no request, but the lady, she's got a request. The lady? What's the matter? You don't see the lady? How come you don't see the lady when she's looking right at you? Oh, that lady, yeah, sure, I see the lady. So why do you make like you don't see the lady when all the time you know the lady's looking right at you? Look, friend, I'm only a poor underpaid employee in this trap. Now, my contract says I'm to play music to please the patrons. I'd be... Very happy to do anything the lady likes to please the lady. So, all right. So what does she want me to do? So she wants you to have a drink with her. Sure, that'd be an honor. But I'm afraid that Mr. Lupo, he's my boss, you know. George Lupo, the proprietor, he doesn't like his employees to mingle with... I will talk to Lupo. He'll like it. Yeah. You could probably make him love it. Come on. I'll be right back, Red. Use some nickels. Right, Petey. Peter, this is Mr. Kelly. Mr. Kelly, this is Vita Brand. Sit down, Mr. Kelly. Yeah, thanks. All right now, Vita. You happy? I'm getting happier by the minute. Sure, you, you want me to go back to bar? Sit here, it's more friendly. Hello, Pete. Hello, Miss Brand. Vita. Vita? You like my name? Sure, sure, it's beautiful. Vita. I only just got it last week. I'll take a little time to break it in, huh? Let me hear you say it. Vita. Yeah. I like the way you say it. Like you mean it. Yeah, I do. I never meant anything more in my life. That's because you're sincere. I knew you were sincere the first time I looked at you. Remember the first night I came in? Sat here and looked at you. Yeah, well, I'm pretty busy up there, you know. Ain't slept a wink since that night. Well, maybe if you go home and put your mind to it, huh? No use, Pete. I tried. Nothing's any good. Nothing I can do is going to change it. Change what? The way I feel. Sick? Yeah. With what? With love. Oh, poor Rita. Yeah, well, beautiful girl like you, no trouble finding another man. I don't want another man. You don't want another man. I want you. That's what Vita wants, you. I love you, Pete. Yeah, sure. Well, that's the way it ought to be. Everybody love everybody else. It's a better world. Well, I got a number to do. Now, you sit up. The lady is trying to tell you how much she loves you, so pay attention. Yeah. First time I saw you, Pete, hit me like a dum-dum bullet. Well, excuse me. I have to earn a buck. Frame it. It's the last one you'll have to earn. All right. Let's do one. What do you got up? Till we meet again. All right. Petey. Yeah, Red. That babe, I got the rumble on her from Lupo. Yeah. 
Ever hear of a citizen named Bacalidi? The three for boy? Three killings for the price of two? All right, Red, bundle it down, huh? She belongs to Bacalidi's loser, Petey, loser. Yeah, you told me what, now tell me how. Well, let's try one. Let's do it till we meet again. All right, we'll make a slow intro out of the last eight. We'll go back to the top, Nick. You take the first four going in. Everybody got it? Yogi. All right. Let's try it. Come on, let's all play it, huh? All right, once more. Nervous, Petey? No, I'm not nervous. Now, come on, everybody, once more. Gunsel's heading this way again. Yeah, I know. What do we got up next? Blue, sweet little you and his addiction one star. All right. Now, look, friend, I got a job You're to do. You're it. Let's go. Where? Now, you listen, Buster. This ain't a lollipop poking you in the gut. I could drop you and be out of here before you hit the floor. Yeah. Let's go. Well, we went outside. The Hispano out in front probably wasn't as long as it looks. We've got fairly short blocks in this part of town. Vita took the wheel. She banked low around the corner, pulled out of a half Immelman, gained a little altitude, and flew blind for downtown Kansas City. Vita glanced at me from the corners of charged eyes. It just glanced at me. I leaned my head back and closed my eyes. The Hispano whipped down Main Street, lost altitude as we gained the deserted financial district, made a perfect no-point landing at the side entrance of the Grundy Bank and Savings. Well, we went into the bank through the family entrance. One light was burning, and it hung low over the biggest dice table I ever saw in any bank. The stick man was busier than a flea on a fat lady. 
He called the plays and called the points, and not one of the 50 torpedoes glanced at us as we climbed a short flight to an upstairs office. Two men were in the room. One, a shadow dressed in dark clothes, looked through a small window onto the dice game down below. The Tommy gun rested easy across his knees. The other man sat behind a desk no bigger than the loading platform at Union Station. He was counting money. Neat, orderly piles of bills were stacked around him like a well-trimmed hedge. We waited while he finished thumbing a book of fifties. He just held him up to his ear, fanned him once, made a note on a pad by his elbow. Finally, he turned his swivel chair to face us. He was all chin and jaw. He leaned back, made a church steeple with his fingers, threw me a credit manager's smile, and rocked his chair gently to and fro. Well, come in, Mr. Kelly. Sit down. You're among friends. Yeah, thanks. Pete, permit me to introduce you to this here gentleman here who's very fond of you. Sure, everybody loves me tonight. Oh, he doesn't love you. <laughs> Only I love you. He's really very fond of you. I am Bacchalides. Yeah. <laughs> he's confused. Ain't he cute? Ain't he cute when he's confused? What is your confusion? How much time do you have? I'm at your disposal. Well, now look, it runs something like this, Mr. Bacchalides. I play cornet, see? At 417, I mind my own business. I try not to poke a thumb in anybody's eye. Well, I noticed this young lady here sitting out front, and tonight she asked me to have a drink with her. Well, naturally, I'm flattered, yes, but... Yes, know... yes, I know all this, but what is your confusion? Well, it seems that this young lady here has a... Well, some kind of an idea that she sort of likes me and... Loves you, Mr. Kelly. Yeah, well, loves me, like you say. Well, I don't figure myself for no Rudolph Valentino, so I get an idea that it's a rib, you know, and especially since I know how... Well, how she... How both of you... Not both. One. Me, I love Vita very much. Oh, darling, you're sweet. Yeah, that's right, for a fact. And when Vita thinks it over, I'm sure There's she's going to... There's nothing more to think over, Mr. Kelly. Vita has stopped loving me. All right, I face it. It makes me very unhappy, but I face it. Now she loves you. She wants you. I know how unhappy this can make her. I do not like for Vita to be unhappy, so Vita and me, we talk it over. We decide you will marry Vita. Thank you, darling, you're sweet. There's nothing, Vita. You know how I will do anything to make you happy, anything. All right, now how about doing something to make me a little happy, huh? But I give you Vita. Yeah, well, I pass. You refuse? Oh, Pete, you don't mean that. You have made Vita cry. I do not like to see Vita <laughs> cry. Tell her you do not mean that. Goodbye, friend. I got a number to do at 417, and it ain't here comes the bride. It, yeah. Pick him up. On your feet. You will ask Vita to be your wife. What's the next best offer? Itch, don't hurt him. I won't. All right, Itch. I think Mr. Kelly wants to say something. Yeah. Kelly. Huh? Who am I? Huh? You hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Whiskey. Right. Put him in that chair. Come on, boy. Hold his head back. Yeah. All right, he's fine now. Yeah. All I need is a few kind words. I will give them to you. Just repeat after me. Vida, I love you. Vida, I love you. Mean it. Vida, I love you. Oh, Pete. Will you marry me? Will you marry me? Oh, darling, of course I will. Congratulations. We drink to it. To the happy bride and groom. Long life. Long life. Long life. Yeah. Now, here's how. Tomorrow afternoon, you and Vida will marry in City Hall. It will be best man. Then you go on a nice long honeymoon, drive to Canada in my Hispano, which I give Vita for a wedding present. Look, I got a job here in town, 417 Cherry. Go back to that crib. Tell the boss you quit. Tear up your cornet. I'm loaded, Pete. Loaded. All right. Here's a pound of fifties. Tomorrow morning, you buy some clean clothes, top to bottom, inside and out. You will meet Vita at City Hall, two o'clock. Here's a key to the Hispano. Take it. Now kiss Vita goodnight. Yeah. Good night, Angel. I'll be the happiest bride in the world. Sure. And you'll be the happiest bridegroom. Yeah, for the saddest step. Well, I left the office inside the spin of a top. 
The Hispano stood by the curb, sleek and calm, just like nothing had happened. Nothing at all. Well, I pointed for the 12th Street Bridge, made the other side of the river, and set a course down Boulder Road for Fat Annie's place. Oh, I tried to imagine life with Vita Brand. And then I thought of six painless ways of committing suicide. And I began to feel better. Fat Annie's place was doing a fair business for the lull hours. Maggie Jackson was standing back by the piano. I groped my way to the bar, ordered a bromo and ammonia, and listened. All right, for the wealthy gentleman from Detroit. He needs me. All right, Ray. What's for? Let's get back here. I want you to be the first to know. In here. Pete, who worked you over? You ever hear of a nail named Vita Brand? Vita? Why, she don't weigh hardly enough to beat the white of an egg. What do you know about her, Maggie? Nothing much for sure. Only she's back in Lady's package, and that makes her a package nobody tampers with. Nobody. Yeah, nobody but me. Not if you love life, you don't. I gotta. Who says? Back Lady's says. Petey, you all right? Till tomorrow at two o'clock, yeah. What's then? Then's the wedding. Who? Mine and Vita Brand. Petey, you've gone simple for sure. You know what Bacalides will do to you? Look, Maggie, I just left Bacalides and Vita. He catch you with her? Look, that way I'm healthy. If he catches me without her, I'm dead in my socks. Petey, you're taking those risks too fast. Slow it down a little. Bacalides, he's just crazy about that woman. Remember Albino Artie? He once looked at Vita like Bacalides didn't buy. That was six or seven weeks ago. You've seen Albino Artie for the past six or seven weeks? No, nobody has. Well, hear this. Bacalides orders me to marry Vita at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Now, square it for me. Why? And Vita, what does she say about this? Only that she loves me. She tell that to Bacalides? Right to his platinum teeth. Oh, I'm getting that feeling, Petey, like my grandmother used to get. And what's it tell you? That Vita's preparing herself to be a bride and a widow both in the same day. Yeah. Well, I better move. You do that, Pete. Fast and far. So long, Maggie. I will. And if I were you, I wouldn't stop moving till I heard him speak in foreign languages. <laughs> Well, marry Vita and I'm a dead bridegroom. Don't marry Vita, I'm a dead bachelor. Well, I decided to try to be a live fugitive. I raced the Hispano back across the river, pulled up sharp in front of 417 Cherry. The brakes never made a sound. Lupo was pounding the cash register with both fists. He threw the usual glare at me as I pushed through to the bandstand. (laughs) 
hold it down. Let's do this one real fine for me. It's my last time around. See? Yeah, Red. You being pushed out? Yeah, it's that or carried out. All right. Let's do singing the blues, huh? Everybody ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. business I got to take care of. Well, you'll hear from me, so just keep at it right here until... Red? Yeah, Pete? In the alley, huh? Mm. Look, Red, I'm in a jam. What can I do to help you? Thanks, but nothing. I got to keep moving. Maybe cool off in a couple of weeks, maybe not. Meantime, try to keep the boys together, huh? Sure. Well... All I had to take was a clean shirt, my other suit, and my book of arrangements. I'd hightail it east, just keep rolling till I ran out of road. That was the plan, until I got to my room. She was stretched across my bed, and she looked right at me as I came in. And there she was, on my bed, looking right at me, but I was all alone. Now, Vita would never be anybody's widow. She was too dead to say I do. The stocking from her left leg was where no girl's stocking ought to be, knotted tightly around her throat. Well, I tiptoed back to the door, as though she was a light sleeper. 
I closed the door very gently behind me, and then I raced down the three flights into the street, into the Hispano, and into high speed. There was no lambing out of this one. You just don't hit the road in a car belonging to the stiff you leave behind. For such violations, the law is strict. Also, back of ladies. Well, I pulled up hard in front of Sour Sammy's joint. This time, the brakes cried. Barney Ricketts was sitting at his usual table in his usual state, boiled and loud. Barney's the only ex-bootlegger in the country who went broke in 1922. He says he did that to aggravate a couple of prohibition agents he hated. Well, Barney saw me come in and waved me over to his table. Ah, Pete Kelly. Welcome, Petey, and have a drink. Look, Barney, I'm up to my eyes. Nonsense, Petey. You haven't even opened them yet. Ah, here we are. A drink for you and a drink for me. Now, listen, Barney, I'm in trouble. Petey, I have suddenly become oppressed by the state of the world. Well, it's my own fault, Petey, my own fault. I make it a rule never to look at the public prints. But tonight, well, uh, just listen to these few choice items. Now, look, Barney, right now I'm a moving target for Bacalini's gun. Last night's edition of the Star. Look here, Petey, September 8, 1923. Girl forced to leap from stranger's automobile. But let us remember, Petey, that the only girls who leap from stranger's automobiles are those who climb into them. And here, uh, look here. All right, Barney. California politicians say they are responsible for President Calvin Coolidge's success. Probably insist, Petey, that it's in honor of their state that he's called Cal. And this, Petey... Barney, look, there's a dead girl in my room. German marks quoted at 28 cents per million. So you see, Petey, even a German millionaire is pushed hard to feel like 30 cents. Now look, Vita Brand, back a lady's girl, she's dead, Barney, in my room. Well, now, that's most careless of you, Petey. If I run, it's the law, Barney. If I stand still, it's back a lady's. How did you get mixed up with Vita Brand and Bacalidi? I don't know. I'm still in last week's fog. She wanted to marry me. Bacalidi said I would or else. Why, Barney? Why if he talked for Very simple problem in human relationships, Petey. Tonight, the word got out that Muggsy Brand was sprung. Who's Muggsy Brand? Vita's father. He was sent up last year. Vita's his whole life. He tried to guard her like Lupo guards his cash register. He hates Bacalidi's, and if he learned that he and Vita... Yeah, yeah, now it's coming into focus. Sometimes, Petey, you're dull-witted. Dull-witted, but stupid. So Bacalidi's and Vita rigged it to disarm her old man. She marries me, takes the heat off Bacalidi's. Splendid, Petey, splendid. And her old man winds up throwing a knife at me. All I gotta do now is explain Vita's body in my room to Muggsy Brand. Precisely what Bacalidi's expects you to face. All right. Do the rest of it together for me, will you? Bacalides is married. He could never square himself with Vita. He got in deeper than he wanted to. Mm. He couldn't dump her because of Muggsy coming out. So he ties her onto you, gets her up to your room, leaves her dead on your bed. How do I back out of this one, Barney? Do you know where to reach Bacalides? Yeah, at the Grundy Bank. His dice game? Yeah, that's right. All right, go there. See Bacalides? Lay it on the line for him. All the way, just like we talked in here. Well, they'll cut me down. You might. How much edge do I have? Not quite enough to shave with. But maybe just enough to cut my throat, huh? It's your only chance, Pete. You're in the middle of a three-way push. The law, Bacalides, Muggsy Brand. All right, Barney. I'm counting on you on the outside. Don't worry, Petey. I'll be there with bells on. Yeah, make sure they don't toll for me. Well, I went back to the Grundy Bank in savings. I had no trouble getting in. The game was just heating up. I stalled around the dark edges of the table for a minute and laid a few bucks on the field. Upstairs, the light was on in the office. The boy with the big piece was still sitting at the window. I could see the head and shoulders of Bacalides. He was still counting money. I started slowly up the stairs, went into the room without knocking. The muscle man swung sharp, pointing the heater at my stomach. Bacalides, fast for a big man, flung out a hand and knocked the gun out of line. Hold it. Next time, knock, or you picked up a lot of weight. Yeah, or a silk stocking around my neck? No, for you, a knife. From the fingers of the best shiv man in the country. Muggsy Brand? Don't try to run, Kelly. He likes a moving target. Just go to him. Tell him his daughter is in your bed, a stocking around her throat. Tell him you don't understand any of it. 
He will be very sympathetic. Well, that's nice, Mr. Bacalini. You set it up real nice. <laughs> Smart, huh? Sure. You persuade Vita to buzz it around that I'm number one. Everything fixed for her father's ears. Even get her to help you push her across by going up to my room. You tell a good story, friend. Maybe too good. I'll put that rod down, Bacalini, before you drop it and break your toe. Maxie, take him downstairs. Come back alone. Pity, look out. Get down. Mugsy. Barney, you all right? Shell shock. Mm. Mm. Muggy Brand? Yes, Pete. I knew where he was. All he heard was Bacalides. Kelly. Yeah, Muggy. Bacalides. I got him? He was between the guns. Not much left of him. Or his trigger man. Or me. Now listen. My poke. Money. Take it. My kid a good burial. Easy, Muggy. She was only a kid. Maybe if she met a guy like... He's done, Pete. Yeah. What do you mean, Pete? A guy like who? Who knows, Barney? Who knows? Proceeding was transcribed. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. There's another thrilling adventure in store for you tonight with Les Damon as the hard-hitting adventurer known as the Falcon. Later, hear the best in music, the tunes which America is singing. Yes, we bring you a sparkling new program devoted to the best in popular music and presided over by well-known musical director Meredith Wilson. Tonight, make a listening reminder to hear Meredith Wilson's music room. Les Damon as the Falcon, tonight on NBC. Welcome back. Pete Kelly's Blues is uh, not available in stores on uh, record, so you can pick up some uh, old uh, vinyl on uh, Amazon. That's uh, where people sell their used copies. Uh, but it is still available on uh, CD and uh, MP3 download, which is incredible. Um, not the uh, radio series, I should say, but the movie. Uh, the music from the movie remains absolutely amazing with uh, great instrumental pieces as well as singing by Peggy Lee and the great Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, really, quite a treat. This music just continues to be uh, very powerful and uh, brilliant. Uh, years after uh, it was first sung, even as all this technology has changed. All right, well... Uh, we go ahead and uh, get into listener comments and feedback. Well, we turn now to listener comments and feedback. Greg says, how many Neurowolf radio shows were produced? I'm not sure, but it had to be under 20. Is uh, But under 20. Um, actually, the number of Neurowolf radio programs in terms of episodes produced uh, was 103 uh, between the old-time radio series 
as well as the Canadian Broadcast Company series. Of course, the, there is a difference between what is produced and what is actually in uh, circulation. Uh, there's only 27 of the old-time uh, radio uh, near Wolf shows in circulation, and all but two of those are from the uh, uh, are from the 1950-51 series with Sydney Greenstreet. Well, Christine sends an email. She's uh, from Jamaica. She's emailed before and said, "I just listened to your." Uh, post-show comments on episode 679 of Sherlock Holmes, The Adventure of the Veiled Lodger. Just so you know, Horlicks is a staple in Jamaican supermarkets. I never wondered about it before, but it's really interesting to know that this product that existed over 70 years ago is still in existence today. I grew up with Horlicks and Milo. There's another one for you to look up, and both are still sold here. I wonder what new products today will still exist 70 years from now. I wonder if Horlicks will still be around. Well, from everything I've gathered from reading about Horlicks uh, online, it, it's very popular uh, in certain countries. Jamaica was one that was listed. Uh, in addition, uh, India and Pakistan uh, was something that the um, uh, Indian uh, soldiers who were uh, uh, fighting, you know, under the British, you know, when they went home, they they took Horlicks home as a dietary uh, supplement. So it's very, uh, you know, I suspect it will be around in some form. It's kind of odd that it's still in existence, but not sold uh, in the United States unless it's like at a specialty store. But uh, definitely still being enjoyed around the world, and uh, from the few uh, containers I ordered of it, it it's definitely worth, uh, worth uh, consideration. But I'm always fascinated when I hear uh, shows... You know, most of the shows we listen to are, you know, the products aren't around, like Clipper Craft or Petri Wine. But, you know, then you have uh, Chevron Stations, and uh, it's, you know, it's very interesting what products uh, tend to endure. Of course, Lever Brothers sponsored a lot of old-time radio shows, and they're still out and still selling soaps, so... Uh, it's, it can be uh, pretty incredible. It'll be interesting to see how many, particularly of these uh, tech companies out there, uh, end up surviving for the next century. All right, well, that will do it for today. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with uh, Let George Do It, uh, speaking of Chevron. And uh, then join us back here on Tuesday for another episode of Pete Kelly's Blues. Uh, in the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Uh, we're on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Uh, but from uh, Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.